The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you on this fine Saturday evening or Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, whenever it is that you're listening to it? Uh, folks, your Montreal Canadiens snap their seven-game losing streak and beat the St. Louis Blues by a score of 5-4. to four. Hello and welcome to episode, what is it, episode 40 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am pleasantly surprised for a few reasons, Uh, and we'll get to it. I'm going to get to the recap. i got a few interesting things to discuss after the recap as well about that game. Uh, You're going to hear me say something that that you never hear me say, but you're going to have to stay tuned a little bit. We're we're, going to have to get to that. Um, This game started off kind of boring. Um, not quite on the same level of boring as the first period between the Habs and Rangers in their last game, but uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little bit bored of this game for the first 20 minutes. Um, it was a decent effort from the Habs. It wasn't bad. They actually killed a penalty. Wow, I know. Unbelievable, right? Um, something that they haven't really been able to do lately. Um, but of course, you know, we, we go through the period, there's not a whole lot of action going on, and very late in the period, very high quality chance for Christian Dvorak at one end, but the puck goes right back the other way. Braden Shen, two on one with Brandon Saad. He throws it over. Saad puts it in. It is one nothing for the Blues. David Savard came fucking charging in at the blue line after that chance, like he was going to get the puck somehow, even though it was being flipped up in the air for a breakout, essentially. And um, get out of here, cat. My cat's bothering me. Um, I, I don't know what he was doing there. He put himself way out of position, and Joel Edmondson really botched the two on one as well. Uh, kind of an ugly overall play after a really good scoring chance by the Habs. And we go into the second period with the Habs trailing one nothing. <clears throat> Very early in the second period, however, Yoel Armia gets the puck in the offensive zone, curls into the boards, cuts back up, sees some space, and decides to head in towards the slot. And once he gets close to the slot, he fires and he snipes it. 1-1. Unfortunately, the tie did not last that long. Um, Arbor Jacki with a bit of a nonchalant zone exit. Uh, really mm, not impressed with that one from him. He had a pretty decent game, but that was not a good play. And, of course, turns the puck over. Tyler Pitlick throws it out front to Alexei Toropchenko. He goes roof daddy with it, and it's 2-1 to one for the Blues. Later on in the period, Kirby Doc gets high-sticked in the face, drawing blood, and the refs completely miss it, but they do something that you don't see them do all that often. They actually go and check to see if they missed a call, and sure enough, they find it, they make the call. It's a four-minute power play for the Montreal Canadiens, which they almost squander. (laughs) They go 
uh, up until about maybe 20 seconds left in that four-minute power play. And poetic justice, it's Kirby Doc. Really good play by Nick Suzuki to get it set up. Uh, goes in, throws it back up into the high slot to Doc. He snipes it, and it's 2-2. Two to two. That's your score after 40 minutes of play. And then we go into the third. Very early on in the third period as well. Look at that. The Habs actually doing the early scoring in periods for once. What a refreshing change. Uh, Nick Suzuki takes a swipe at a loose puck behind the net. It bounces to Cole Caulfield at the side of the net. He goes out front and goes roof daddy himself on the backhand to make it 3-2 to two for the Montreal Canadiens. 17 more goals to go. Cole Caulfield. It doesn't last long, though. <laughs> Very shortly after that. There's a point shot for the Blues, and Nikita Alexandrov uh, gets what I think was his first career goal by cleaning up the rebound in front and makes it 3-3. All of a sudden, we're tied up. We're, we're, and this game went from boring to exciting real quick. <clears throat> Again, that first period was a little bit bland, but uh, things got very interesting as it went on. And now we got a 3-3 game. we got a bit of a barn burner going on here, and it keeps going. Michael Pizzetta takes a penalty, and uh, this time it's Pavel Buchnevich in the slot. Uh, gets a quick shot off and fools Jake Allen, makes it 4-3. to three. Now, the Blues back on top. We're feeling like this is probably going to be the end of the game here, but the Habs, they storm right back. <clears throat> a couple minutes later, wild play. Uh, wraparound attempt. Who had the wraparound attempt? Evgeny Dadonov had a wraparound attempt. Um, throws it out front. Goes to Jake Evans. Jake Evans, beautiful shot. Hits the post. He thought he scored. He turned around to start celebrating, but it hit the post. But the rebound goes to who? It goes to Yoel Armia. And he puts it in for his second goal of the game. It is 4-4. We're all tied up. Trade this man now. <laughs> Three goals in the last two games. A uh, little later on, the Habs, they keep it coming. Amazing run into the offensive zone by Jonathan Drouin. He tries to put a pass across. It deflects up in the air. He corrals it by hitting it off of his chest, moves in, goes to the backhand, puts it on net. It goes through Jordan Binnington. Josh Anderson helps it get into the net. They do credit it, however, to Jonathan Drouin, and <clears throat> deservedly so. Anderson, by the time he touched it, it was already... I think three quarters of the way over the goal line, so it really should have been Dwayne's goal anyways. And he gets it. At least he has credit for it uh, as of me speaking right now. Uh, we'll see if they decide to change it. But it doesn't matter. End result, 5-4 for the Montreal Canadiens. The Blues would pull Bennington for the extra attacker, and they would try to get it back. But it was all for naught. The Montreal Canadiens, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, snap their seven-game skid with a 5-4 to four win. What a game. Um, really a, a fun game to watch. I mean, I was, I, I, I'm not one, I, I am kind of gradually joining Team Tank here where I want them to try, like, I really want Connor Bedard on the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, everybody does. But I don't have it in me to cheer for this team to lose. So as this game was going on, you know, I was, I was rooting for them to pull through because they deserved it. This finally, after those last seven games where they've played like absolute shit, uh, they played really well in this one. They deserved a win. And you saw it on the bench afterwards. Uh, Martin Saint-Louis was, was absolutely elated to, to get that monkey off his back, to get rid of that uh, losing streak. They, they deserve this one. And I, I think, you know, one win is not necessarily going to derail the tank. Um, it's, it's still ongoing. They're still going to have a hard time <coughs> stringing together wins. It's one win. Uh, anybody who's on Team Tank who's listening to this, you know, let's, let's settle down a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. Um, what are we going to do? They're eventually going to win some games, right? 
Now, I want to get to uh, my player of the game first and foremost, and I want to do something a little bit special with player of the game as well. So first and foremost, for the Montreal Canadiens player of the game, I think you got to go with Yoel Armia. Uh, he's on a bit of a tear in these last two games, and I said it during the recap, trade this man now. Um, I remember a couple of episodes ago, right? I think it was a couple of episodes ago. Two episodes ago, I believe. I was talking about putting him on waivers. You know, he's one of those deadweight players. We know he's not going to be around at the tail end of the rebuild. When this contract's over, he's going somewhere else, right? So you might as well, you know, move on um, one way or another, right? And as of that previous episode, when I said, you know, put him on waivers, who cares? I was saying that from the standpoint of, well, he's got no production, so nobody's going to trade for him. Now, all of a sudden, he's got three goals in the last two games, and he's looking considerably better than he has. I wonder, I wonder, is there not a trade out there that they might be able to figure out if he can keep this up for a little bit longer? If this is the start of a fucking heater for Yoel Armia, who knows? There could be a team out there that looks at him and goes, you know what, my bottom six, I could use a player like that. I could use a player that can play penalty kill for me. I could use a player that's you know, good with his hands, that can kind of dig pucks out of the corner, big body. Uh, doesn't hit all that much, but you know, are we too concerned about that necessarily? Realistically, he could be good depth for a team that's actually going for it. Um, I don't know if you're going to have to eat salary. I mean, I think his production is going to have to skyrocket for you to not have to eat any salary. But I, I don't think eating salary is necessarily that big of a problem with his contract. Um, I think you could take a little bit of it back and hold on to it and uh, w- without necessarily kneecapping yourself in the future. So, um, look... Great game from Yolarmia. That's two games in a row where he's played fantastic. I really hope that it continues for him because it could be really beneficial for the Habs to, to, to be able to find a new home for him and stack some assets uh, to help accelerate the rebuild a little bit. My second player of the game, I'm, I'm going with two. And it's actually multiple players for my second you know, performance of the game, if you will. I'm going with the officials, man. This was one of the best officiated games of hockey that I've seen in my life. Mark this on your calendars. Anybody who follows this podcast who's listened to me before, you know I'm quick to jump on the officials when they when they do a shitty job. This was not one of those days. They were fantastic, and I, I really want. I'm, I'm going to make the article on Eyes and the Prize about how good they were. Because man, n- not only did they go back and review that Doc penalty or the penalty against Doc. Or sorry, not the penalty against like the high stick against Doc penalty against the Blues. They go back and they review that. So n- number one, the humility to be able to go back and say, you know what, I think we made a mistake. Let's go find out if we did. I love that. I think we need more of that out of officials in the NHL. I think we need a lot of them to stop acting like they're God and they like they don't make mistakes. I think you, you got to be able to admit that you potentially made a mistake and utilize the rule book to your advantage to make sure that you can correct those mistakes. Right, so that was one thing. They also had a high stick uh, against Jonathan Drouin uh, later in that same period. Right, Drouin gets high sticked on on an exit for the Blues, and nobody seemed to really see it. And then the refs came together, and then they talked about it, and then they called the penalty. Um, Habs didn't score on that one, so it was inconsequential for the game. But again, they actually took the time to make sure that they got the call right. The Blues were pissed off because they're like, you guys didn't have your hand up in the first place. And they're like, well, we don't have to. You know, I can, we can come together as officials and we can make a decision on this. So the two guys wearing the bands talked about it and they made the call. And it was the right call. It was absolutely the right call. And 
That being said, you know, I've only really talked about those two calls that benefited the Montreal Canadiens. I should also talk about the calls against the Habs. They were all calls that I have no ability to argue with. They made a holding call on Michael Pizzetta in the, what, in the third period? Yeah, it was in the third period. Um, the Blues ended up scoring on, on the power play as well. Uh, he goes into the corner and he wraps his stick arm like he takes he takes his free hand off his stick and he wraps his stick arm around the player and pins him up against the boards and holds him there. He doesn't hold him for very long, but this is something that I've always complained about. They don't call it enough in the NHL, and they called that one immediately. Um, they called a trip earlier in the game as well against Pizzetta where he kind of goes around behind the net and then hooks his stick one-handed around somebody's uh, foot, and the official that called it didn't even have a good angle on it, but he saw it and he made the call. Every single call that they made in that game, I can't argue with them. They were great calls. Um, this is one of the best officiated games I've ever seen. And when you get good officiating like that, what do you get? You get a good game of hockey. Stop leaning into the frame as officials and making bullshit game management calls. And you can allow the best players in the world to do what they do and provide us as fans with an entertaining game. And that's what we got. We got good officiating. We didn't get any bullshit from them, and as a result, we got to watch a very good game of hockey. So I tip my hat to those officials. That was a fantastic game by them. Um, uh, Again, one of the best officiated games that I've seen in my life, and I want to single them out. We had Jean Hébert, and we had uh, Carter Sandlack in that game. Um, Fantastic. That, that's the mold right there for officiating. I would like to see every game officiated just like that for the rest of my life. I know I won't. <laughs> I know I'll be back here in a couple of weeks yelling about the officials again uh, being terrible. But man, if if you were opening up a school to teach officials how to officiate NHL games, that's the game that you should show them over and over and over again. Drill it into their heads. You know, if you think you made a mistake, utilize what you're allowed to do to correct that mistake. And man, perfect game from them. Honestly, I'm, I, I was shocked watching that game, how well it was done. Moving on, because I do need to talk more about the actual players, right? Um, so let's go on to Cole Caulfield. I feel like he was a close second for me for player of the game instead of Yoel Armia. I had to give it to, to Armia. I mean, it, this was his best game of the season by far. Uh, but Cole Caulfield, close second there, man. What can you say about this guy? I mean, he gets that puck. And he has virtually no space to operate with. He moves a little bit higher, like away from, from Bennington, just so he can create enough space for himself to go over the top with that backhander. And then he does it. That was his 50th career goal. And a little bit of foreshadowing, folks, because I think this guy is going to have a 50-goal season with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he's well on his way to 40 this year. What did I say? We got 17 more to go to hit 40. Um, this is after 40 games, so we're not even halfway through the season, and he's more than halfway to 40. There's an outside chance that he gets to 50 this season. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it could I'll say it could happen. If they figured out the power play, I'd be considerably more confident, and I would probably be putting my money on him doing it. But we know the power play is pretty rough. Yes, they scored in this game. I know. I'm aware. I'm not going to sit here and complain about the power play right now. We're not going to go into a rant about it. But um, that would be the only way that he would really be be getting up to 50 is if they figured that out and they were actually able to get some pre-shot movement uh, to really open him up because you could see it in this game. You know, they're, they're, the, the Blues were keying on him. Anytime the puck went up to the point, they had somebody moving over to cover that lane to make sure that he couldn't get the one-timer. So, you know, 
50 is going to be a stretch. Uh, 40 seems like a given. He's just doing damage at 5-on-5 this season and showing no signs of slowing down. Then you got to move on uh, talk about Nick Suzuki. Man, quiet game from him, but quietly effective. Uh, ends up with two apples in the night. Um, I, I, I think... For sure, I would have to call him, you know, third place in, in my in my internal voting for uh, player of the game for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he played a really good game. Uh, you know, Cole Caulfield is going to continue to have success as long as he has a center that's able to to feed him as consistently as Suzuki is able to do. Um, I'd honestly like to see them, and and this is going to sound crazy. I'd like to see them try at some point this season separating those two on the power play. Have Suzuki on one unit and have Caulfield on the other. It's We're grasping at straws here, I know. And I know separating those two sounds like the stupidest idea ever. But I was watching the power play. I was watching them key on Caulfield. Uh, I'm watching Suzuki, the one power play goal that they get, he's feeding it to, to Doc instead. I wonder if separating them isn't the best move. Because right now, like the top unit was was doing a really good job. Overall, like they, uh, Caulfield hit a post, Suzuki hit a post. It wasn't a bad game from a power play standpoint. It was one of their better games. But uh, overall this season, the success just hasn't been there. So I would just like to see them try it once or twice. I'm not saying do it permanently. I'm saying give it a go and see what happens. And if you find some success, maybe there's a configuration that, that works better without those two on the same unit. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws here, folks. So probably don't listen to what I'm saying. I'm just trying to come up with something that I can suggest at the very least to try and improve it uh, because it's, you know, it's a problem and it's something they have to figure out uh, as they get through the rebuild. Otherwise, they're never going to be competitive. I've said this many times. The best teams, the teams that compete for Stanley Cups, they have good power plays. Not necessarily the best power plays, but they have good power plays. You're certainly not getting there with, you know, dead last in the entire fucking league power play. So, uh, you know. Figure it out. I don't know. Take my advice. Don't take it. Don't really care. That was a good game. Uh, you know, a good win. They deserved the win. Um, as I mentioned, you know, if you're on Team Tank, we kind of got to take this one because they, they played well enough to earn that one. Uh, so we got to let them enjoy it. And uh, we should enjoy it. We should be able to take in a game like that and, and be happy for guys like Yoel Armia. Be happy for Jonathan Trouet. Man, did he deserve that goal. He deserved it. He's been playing decently lately. Um, he's another guy that I've been harsh on lately. You know, I've always been a big fan of his, and uh, you know, I've I've kind of labeled him as one of those dead weight players. I don't think he's going to be around after next year. Uh, again, getting some production might facilitate the possibility of him getting an opportunity to go and play for a team that's actually going to compete for the Stanley Cup this season. I don't know, but it was a great game for him. He really deserved that goal, and I'm happy for him. You know, what can I say? I enjoyed that game a lot, and a lot of it had to do with the officials. So I'm going to cut it off there. Uh, again, mark this one in your calendars, folks. You're not going to hear me praising the officials very often. This is a rare occurrence, uh, but I'm very happy to be able to do it, honestly. I, I, I love watching a game that's that well officiated. Um, we're running, what, uh, over 19 minutes. So c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT, drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. And folks, before I let you go, you know what I got to do. I got to continue that countdown. There are 17 more goals to go for Cole Caulfield. The countdown continues. À la prochaine.